Tom, are you okay? I lost her. Her? She was going to be this epic, trilogy-worthy character. I was going to be the hottest writer in Hollywood. But I can't get past Act One! You need some writer's group therapy. Hello and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Are you ready for your session? The doctors are in. And if you want to find us online, you can find us at WG Therapy on Twitter. And I'm also at Roshni Lumino. And I'm Tom underscore Loveman on Twitter and Tom Loveman on Instagram. So that's where to find us. And today we have a very special guest, Stephen Darinset. Hello, Stephen. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for for having me. So Stephen is currently at ABC Mouse as an animation writer, but you have a very long and storied career in animation, do you not? Uh, Yes, I I guess I do. Um, I sound like a veteran there for a second. Like, I guess I was working back in the uh, Termite Terrace in um, (laughs) in the 1940s. No, um, I've done a lot of different things. And um, I guess I sort of started Warner Bros. Animation as an assistant. And then I got my first uh, assigned script there for the show Ozzy and Drix. And I sort of... um, I was kind of, I kind of dropped in and out of that industry for a while. I, I worked in a lot and then for a year or so I kind of didn't. And then I kind of worked again. And even before the animation writing, I was working in independent film, trying to break in as a producer. I produced a couple of um, indie films in my 20s. And, uh, but now I'm back into the animation writing game, so to speak. Um, working, as I say, for, I currently work in ABC Mouse Age of Learning, uh, where we write um, some interstitial animation for some of their educational curriculum subjects. And prior to that, I did some Bob the Builder. Even prior to that, I worked on the Emmy-winning uh, Amazon series Tumbleweaf and then a lot of stuff before that. But that's sort of me in a nutshell at this point. Very cool. And you sort of, didn't you sort of fall into it? Is that the story you told us at the group? Right, yeah, yes. It, if I'll go back to where I was talking about where I wanted to be independent producer. I thought like me and a couple of friends were going to be like, uh, follow the route of like Kevin Smith and Robert Rodriguez and kind of go in the whole indie route and destroy our credit cards and become famous for it. Well, we managed to destroy our credit cards. So <laughs> that we did that part perfectly well. Good. But uh, we did get a couple things done, and but it didn't quite turn out uh, giving us the notoriety we want. And then I kind of had to hit the uh, real world job market. And then I was a temp for a while at um, studios. And then I ended up temping at one of the Burns animation. And then from there on, I sort of got friendly with my boss and he was really cool and was a great producer. And I met a lot of other writers there. And there I got the hang of what they were doing in terms of writing animation. Because prior to that, I think a lot of people would probably feel the same way now. They don't know what goes on in terms of writing for animation. I think there's people who think that Pixar films write themselves. Like let's have people draw and they just record, right? Uh, you know, improvise. But you know, there's there like anything on TV, there's scripts. And then I learned how to write those particular kind of scripts from there. And that's where I got my first writing gig and that's you know I where my career started. So no, that's a good lead on to this question. So what are the biggest differences between writing for live action and writing for animation? Is the process mm-hmm. similar? Um, well, yeah, it's similar to the fact that, you know, we end up using the, the, the template and the format is pretty similar. Um, 
different. I will say for animation, primetime animation, like the Family Guy shows and The Simpsons, their scripts no, look normally to, look more like a live action three camera sitcom, like a like um, was it? any of those three camera sitcoms are like on CBS and that kind of look to them. But the, a lot of animation I've done as well look sort of more like short films with a lot of action blocked in. We also include sound effects. We also very particular about how many lines of dialogue we have. No, actually we're talking about the difference between animated scripts and um, live action scripts. And um, I, w I was sort of going a little more, I was digging deeper in terms of explain maybe the difference between some primetime scripts, which look more like TV sitcoms, the way they're written, and the stuff that I write, uh, which is not necessarily the primetime stuff. I've never been on The Simpsons, even though it's been around for 30s, 70 50 years or something i eventually i do have a theory as i mentioned before i eventually i will be getting my simpsons episode because i think every writer eventually will get their shot <laughs> at least they should the show has been around for 40 years and at least one we should each get a script of simpsons you're going to get a script you're going to get a script we're all going to get one but the, I, I haven't written on any of those primetime shows i did a lot of the uh, daytime stuff like the kids stuff preschool boys action comedy kind of things and our scripts are more um we have a lot more interesting um things in action blocks like we call more um we, we spend a lot more time describing certain kind of actions because we kind of have to very be very specific about how we spell these things out because they go to animators and more often than not a lot of those animators are overseas the designs and stuff are done here stateside, but then they're shipped to India or Indonesia or um, China or, or Korea. Um, they're going to have to know what we're talking about. And of course, uh, we put we add the sounds of special effects and anytime a lot of stuff, especially we kind of like add like oomphs and pushes and uh, grunts and stuff that you wouldn't normally see in a live action script because you don't have to make an actor do that. But when you have voice actors, they're often sort of working on their own. They don't have another actor the opposite of them. So all they have is a, a voice director, the recording people, and the script in front of them. And they have to kind of be able to improvise for that. And when you have a lot of good voice actors, especially in this industry, there's really a lot of talented people. You know, they can take a script. They can, they can make work wonders with what's on the page. I find that absolutely fascinating that you just said you guys outsource your animation. Uh, yeah, that does, we do, yeah, there is some parts of animation that's outsourced a lot, and, and um, some of it's like, some of it's like in between, which is like, some of the animation that is, that can be very repetitive, we, we, they will ship it overseas, and, and then they ship it back to us, because it involves so many people doing so many different things, and it could be like a crew of 30 or 40 people doing just legs moving, and then they, it co it's just more cost effective, you know, whether we like it or not. And I'm not a big fan of it, but to ship it, you know, overseas. Uh, for the most part, a lot of the scripts are written here, unless it's a Canadian show, a lot of it's done over there. Recording is usually done locally, LA or New York, or, and um, the original design, storyboards, like the character design, and the finalization, everything is done stateside. But this, there's like, there is stuff in the middle. It's like sort of real grunt work that we just we don't do here much anymore. It's just more cost effective to send it overseas. Wow. Does um, I was going to ask, does uh, the script you send over does does it usually get made kind of just how you wrote it, or do they do edits, you know, after the fact, depending on the animation? Well, the people going to do the edits on my script are going to be uh, the, the first line of defense to my script is. Uh, will be my story editor, so my immediate boss, and he or she is the one um, 
gave, basically gave me the direction from her bosses, which is the producers of the show and the network. Uh, they give me notes um, on my premise. And when I start my script, she or she will you know, make sure that it's sort of where they want to go. And then they also may make their own changes. I'll get full credit for the script, but some, you know, there's been the scripts have been rewritten of mine pretty heavily, especially early on in my career. And I was a little kind of miffed about it, but then I kind of misunderstood, like, look, this is kind of how it works that they often will, they'll have the writer like myself, like one or two, maybe three drafts and a polish, and then I'm done. And then they'll send me a check, you know, a month or so. Um, but that script may not actually be done in the process. They still, might be doing some changes of stuff and that, that the storyter might still be doing changes up to the recording and then making changes even during the recording. So that's why by the time it goes through the animation and about a year later when I see it on TV, like, well, this doesn't look like the script I wrote. So, well, it's, you know, your name's on it. You're getting credit for it. But, you know, there's a lot of changes and that's just sort of out of my control because they make those changes for whatever those specific reasons are at the time. It could be like their budget might have changed then or they didn't get the voice actor they wanted or, or they decided that it's, the script is too long, and uh, they have various reasons. So, and I'm not going to be—I'm not going to be in part of that part of the process. I've already—I'm already done moving on to the next script, and the story editors and producers are the ones taking charge from that point. Now, it might not be so much of a big deal, like in your field, because you're doing educational stuff and that's timeless. But on a show like, say, The Simpsons or Family Guy, where they're hitting timely events but it takes so long in animation to make something happen. How do you balance that, that timeliness versus getting it done, you know, because it takes so long? Uh, we just kind of avoid the timely subject, at least in my end of animation. It's, it's not like South Park where they have 20 years of, of character assets and hard drives of computers where they can pull anything up and they can just sort of repurpose. And they could be so timely, they can talk about like, like court debates and elections and the president, and they can just have something come out two weeks later after the event has happened. That's like mind boggling. And even South Park couldn't do that 20 years e ago either. They just couldn't do it, but now they're able to do it with the technology they have. Uh, so honestly, we just, the, anim the kind of animation I write, we don't have, we don't really talk about topical things. I mean, I, some of the stuff might be references to old films, old TV shows, but a year has passed by the time the script has come out. So if you try to be timely about something or try to predict the future, what's going to be cool and a trendy thing, and then you make an entire episode about something, like, uh, and then you might just be disappointed by the time it comes out, like, oh, this seems so dated. And everyone thought that, that the pet rock was kind of come back as a brand new toy. And then this turned out to be the case. What an entire episode about it. It's just weird. And then it's, you know, it's kind of funny trying to be retro or something like, oh, no, just, yeah, you can't predict the curve. So for most part, we just don't do it. And we just try to just keep our stories. I you know, honestly I like stories that are timeless because I hate to see something uh, particularly dated, especially in a lot of the writing I've done is for shows that might be based on IP that is products and toys and I can imagine 20 years from now, the whole thing's going to look really old. Like that, ooh, I remember that toy that I played with when I was a girl. Now I'm in my 30s and I have children of my own. It's like, you know, God, it's like, and that's going to be 20 years from now. So timeless storytelling is always going to work. And this is the best. It's, it's the best thing you can do in this kind of writing. So um, if somebody wants to get into writing for animation, uh, what's the, what are some tips on how to get into that? I mean, it's different from going to like film school or, you know, going to take some classes at the UCLA Extension and, you know, screenwriting. What, what, what are some steps you can take to get into this, uh, this field? 
Um, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a, a magic bullet in terms of what's going to get you to where, like, where I am. Um, I, like I said, I sort of fill into it, and at this, in one situation, you might want to try, if it, and this can help you whether you want to work in animation or work on live action TV or or physical production. This is try to um, become an office temp on these shows and just become a writer's PA or a production assistant. And uh, before you know it, you might be running into people that can help you get your next gig. Uh, there are some there are some classes. I think UCLA Extension has a um, I forget his name unfortunately, but he's an animation writer. Teaches some animation writing there. Um, I think um, Second City Improv is now maybe doing a courses in animation writing. I've never taken these courses, so I can't speak whether or not they're good. But then, of course, just watch these shows. Get you know, learn learn the craft. You know, see what works, see what doesn't for yourself. Is this the kind of story you want to tell? Do you want to write? primetime animation like Simpsons or Family Guy, or do you want to watch, um, do you want to write weird adult swim stuff like um, Teenage Hunger Force or any of those kind of um, like uh, Archer, those kind of shows or Rick and Morty, or do you want to do something a little more fluffy like the Doc McStuffins and the Disney shows? Once you kind of find out what your niche is, you can start, just start writing those samples. Let's get in there. And also there's a contest. There's a, there's fellowships of Disney has a fellowship. Nickelodeon has a screenwriting um, fellowship. They're starting right now and they have a TV writing um, thing starting up. I think they are already starting to take um, submissions for the year and you can probably find, I wish I had it in front of me to tell you the exact name, but Nickelodeon does it. Universal Studios is now doing it, and Disney has a fellowship for a long time. And Warner Brothers had a fellowship too for a while, but I, I don't. I've sort of lost touch in what they're doing now. But these are all good places to start. You know, just start writing a script, learn how to write them. Go to the Writers Guild Library and find they have scripts for everything. It's not just live action stuff; they mm-hmm. have animated things. You know, even the Pixar movies, which are atypical to TV animation because they're more like like they're more feature. They're more like the Family Guy, Simpsons kind of thing you'd be surprised how much of a feature film feeling to it. It is not filled with a lot of sound effects and stuff. It's very sort of a very simple kind of script. Despite the fact when you watch a Pixar movie, like it's like beyond simple. It's just, you know, it's filled with everything. But yet again, you'll see good storytelling, good dialogue, good character. It's always a good place to start. That's about the only advice I can have. Okay. You know, it's all just, just you know. Um, yeah. Very good advice. Yeah, thank you. So one final question. Right. Which, which episode of whatever show, probably animation, right? Or, but it doesn't have to be. What episode do you wish you had written and why? Of anything? Of anything. Jeez, that's a good yeah. question. Um, I think the pilot of Breaking Bad is pretty amazing. I actually read that script a couple of times. And the opening sequence is where he's hearing about getting cancer from the doctor and how he just checks out as a, you know, maybe the guys might remember that pilot script and that pilot episode that's that's pretty amazing um any really good episodes of mad men makes me jealous um although these are shows also i would never want to spec on my own <laughs> there's certain tv shows like hey why don't you write a mad man or write a bacon band like nope not interested because i'm not interested in trying to pretend to be as good as writers of the so um uh any of the really good classic seinfeld episodes like i I'd love to see some of those shows turned into animation. I think they'd be really funny as animated characters. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. You might yeah. be on I'm something. I animated Breaking Bad episode. <laughs> I animated a Breaking Bad series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's about who I can think of at the moment. I'm sure it'll come back to me later. And those things kind of stick in my mind. Um, so if the finale of Breaking Bad is good too, but people always talk about those shows. Uh, like I said, I, like any really good episode of Seinfeld, I kind of wish I'd written that. They're just like really wonderfully crafted sitcoms of the time. Just brilliant, you know, those those three stories in this like sort of d- triple helix of stories bending and then coming to an end. People don't see, realize how complicated and simple a Seinfeld episode is until you kind of really look at it. It's like that. I'm always impressed. Cool. So um, if people want to find you online, Stephen, where should they go? A uh, couple places. You can you can find me on Twitter. It's S. Darren said. Okay. You know, it's just my, my, my initial and first name. You can just look me up. Um, I tweet. I'm tweeting out there. Cool. Thank you so much, Stephen, for joining us. And if you guys like what you hear, subscribe and share it with your friends. You can find us online, like we said earlier, at WG Therapy. And you can also find us at writersgrouptherapy.com. We'll see you next week.